We are talking about God's will. Last week we set up our justification and said, you know, the words, it's God's will, are some of the most misunderstood and often abused words in the church. We can't really articulate a good tension between God's will and free will. We struggled with it last week. We're going to leave the struggle this week behind. And really, there's so many of us that are wandering around with questions about God's will that we thought we need to put together a series to identify, is there even such a thing as God's individual will? What's his moral will about? How does sovereign will work? Because it seems like we're constantly bumping into each other, and the most frequently asked question that it seems among Christians is, I'm trying to figure out God's will for my life, or I want to know what it is, and that's why we're doing this series. So here's where we were. This is kind of our roadmap. Last week, we covered God's sovereign will. I'm going to review that really briefly tonight. Then we're going to dive into God's moral will tonight. As you can see, in the coming weeks, what we're going to do is spend time with the traditional view of how God's individual will for our lives is ascertained. We're going to critique that a little bit. We're going to spend a little bit more time just trying to understand God's guidance. How does the Holy Spirit guide us? Spend a little bit of time on actually doing the will of God, because it seems like a lot of us need a little bit of help in moving to do it. And finally, answering some of your tough questions about God's will. Speaking of tough questions, here are the questions that you threw in through your cards. These are just uh, some of the questions. Last week I read all of them, so I won't read them again. I think we counted over 75 to 100 questions. Some of them were duplicative, so we just used the same question. This is slide one of all your questions. Here is slide two of your questions. So there are more questions yet. This, the first one was just about God's will in general. This is about God's individual will for your life. And finally, there were these questions that were really more nitty-gritty down to the personal. What you guys really care about, tell me about marriage and am I going to get married? That question seems to be very common in our cards. So I guess you could say if we have this many questions about God's will, this slide, this slide, and this slide we got a lot of work cut out for us in this group. And we're going to be going through it until we get it right. I think that's our attitude. So what did we do last week? If you missed last week, here is something that you can pick up. This is uh, in the back. There's these CDs. God's Will Part 1. They're already out on CD. If you want to just pick one up, they're free. They're also on our website, uh, exoduspodcast.com. All of our talks, past talks are there, so you can just download them. But since we build week after week, we figure it might be a good idea for you to pick up where you can find these talks in case you need them. All right. Here's the question we ask. If God is truly sovereign and nothing is outside of his will, how can we have any free will? And here's kind of the summary of what we kind of said last week. Number one, it's going to be impossible for us to actually articulate this. It's not a cop-out. We struggled with it, but the fact that theologians have struggled with it for a couple hundred years, if not a couple thousand years, I don't think we're going to resolve it in any series. We just need to know that scripture does tell us that his thoughts are above our thoughts, and that's probably good enough. Number two, we do know, though, from scripture, it's pretty clear that God does give us, first of all, that he is in control, that he is sovereign, and he knows all things, so that's pretty clear. And we also know from scripture that we do have free will. So again, how that intersection works, we spent some time struggling with last week. But I kind of was a little bit unfair because after we spent about half an hour struggling with sovereignty and free will and where's the correct tension, we kind of said, doesn't matter. Why did we say it doesn't matter? Because in the end of the analysis, we found out that most theologians actually agree, since we're in a series about God's will, that from a God's will perspective, we're never going to understand his sovereign will fully. 
We're never going to fully. In fact, the Bible says that we don't get to know any part of God's sovereign plan until after it's happened, when we look back in retrospect and see what God has done, or when he reveals it to us in prophecy to show us the guarantees that his word is true. Other than that, the news for you is, yes, continue to struggle with the ideas of sovereignty and God's will. It's a great thing. Read the books. We recommended some last week. But if you're trying to figure out God's will, you don't have to worry about figuring out his sovereign will because that's his business. So what's our business? Tonight, we move into understanding God's moral will. And tonight, I want a little bit of interaction from you because we seem to skip a lot about God's moral will. Let me give you a little bit of help first to start us off on God's moral will. I'm going to give you a simple definition. And that simple definition is God's moral will is his revealed commands found in scripture, which instruct us on how we should live and believe. That's what his moral will is. Let's go a little deeper into what it might be. God's moral will really comes from his holiness and it comes from love. This is in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus is summarizing that all the law and the prophets hang on the commandments of love. We also see in two places in the Bible this phrase, You shall be holy for I am holy. So that's 1 Peter 1.16 and Leviticus 11.44-45. Love, holiness. This is kind of important to understand when you see this next point up here, that God's moral will is the expression of the character of God. We know God is the highest order of holiness. We know that God has love in abundance, in fact, in infinite abundance. And all of the law then, all of his moral will is really the expression of his character. Think about that for a moment. What does that mean? How does that, how does that strike you? The expression of his character. These are things that flow from the very nature of who God is. Sometimes we see God in terms of a bunch of rules of this is what I think you should be. We're wondering like, why is that? Why do you feel? Because God has a certain character and nature and his law and his commands and his will for us flows from that very nature. It's the expression of the character of God. One last thing on these definitions before I get your input. Here's where I find God's moral will being fully revealed in the Bible. I think the ones that are concrete guidance for our lives, that's the first one I've put up there, is kind of like the commandments. Kind of like the, the, the lines that he's drawn that are pretty clear. But I've also got these up here, too, that we don't often think about. When we think of, like, the moral will expressed in the Bible, we're thinking of do, don't, do, don't. But what about the attitudes we're supposed to live? Attitudes that flow from God's holiness and love for us, too. Like, to be maybe self-disciplined, to be generous, to be humble, to be meek sometimes. Those kinds of attitudes that the Lord expresses. Like, even when we talked a couple of weeks ago about the fruits of the Spirit, how those things dwell in us. We might not think of them as just straight commandments, but we have to look at the attitudes and what we become when we become more God-like, more Christ-like. 
the manner or means we're to employ for those kinds of things, the ways that God wants us to be and behave to be his followers, and also just the wisdom that he gives. Sometimes God gives us freedom and wisdom to choose, and the Bible is full of wisdom to allow us to make decisions. Yeah. Well, you said that the God's present moral world is fully revealed in the Bible, and then, so like you said, for those, are you saying for those four points that it's fully revealed in manner or means which we're supposed to? Uh, I knew somebody had to go there. Your quibble with the word is fully? Well, because I feel that it's unclear many times the manner or means which we're supposed to follow, like God's commands. If I could rephrase what you're saying, I think what you're having trouble with is that a lot of times we think the item that we're struggling with is not addressed in the Bible. So you're saying, how can it be fully revealed if we look at the Bible and we don't see express commands about everything that we struggle with? Let me address it this way. I think that the reason that most scholars believe that his moral will is fully revealed is because not every situation is addressed in his concrete commands, but... He does give us ways to live in the attitude, manner, and wisdom in which we're supposed to live, which gives us very concrete ways to decide even the things that are not stated in the Bible. Remember, if all of of the law can be summarized in love, then that means that even today, as we figure out how to be loving and to be holy, and we have a situation that is not addressed directly in Scripture, then we have the attitude, the manner, the wisdom, the guidelines to even decide those decisions. We encounter a situation together and we may sit down and I may quiz you and say, how are you addressing the situation in a manner and an attitude which is worthy of the scriptures that we do have and in a manner of love and holiness and with that wisdom that's given throughout all the scriptures in different places where there's just passages of wisdom. Like I said, you may present your case, I may question you about it, but hopefully we end up getting to a place where we still are guided by God's moral will, even though there's not a direct word that says, this is what you should do in this situation. So I think it is, in a way, fully revealed, and that's that's the point that's being made. Okay? So let's get a little interactive. If God's moral will is right there, give me some examples. Remember, the definition is, it's revealed... In scripture, something in the manner that he wants us to go and something in the manner he wants us to live. David. How about the Ten Commandments? All right, Ten Commandments. Like, give me one of them. What's one of them? Oh, we'll go, we'll go with Philip's thou shalt not lie. Okay, no, no lying. So you think that's part of God's moral will? Yeah. Okay. All right, that's part of God's moral will. I will for my people not to lie. Anyone else? Yeah. Isn't it like the Beatitudes or something? Yeah. He's got some definite attitudes of how people are supposed to behave in their right. Bless these people because they would act this way. Gives us clear guidance of things that he desires to see in us. Yeah. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. Clearly a commandment in the scriptures that says do this. Do you think God wants us to love him? Is it part of his will? It's clearly expressed. What else? Give me another example. Just throw out some examples. Let's see if we can build a, a whole thing of moral will here. What else? Take care of the poor. Take care of the poor. Is that it? We're out? That's it? <laughs> Christian life is really short, it appears. Man, you stump it already? Forgive others. Forgive others. Make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. L- love your neighbor as yourself. What else? Multiply. Multiply. <laughs> Multiply. Okay. That's good. Pray for your enemies. What else? Adultery. Adultery, like do it, don't do it, don't do it. (laughs) 
Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Multiply, but just with one person, right? You know? Right. Okay. Be fruitful and multiply. Do you get the point? Let me just make the point a little stronger for you. Just as an example and kind of an exercise that I decided to do this afternoon, I picked up the Bible, opened up to Matthew, and just read four chapters. Chapters four through nine, maybe it's five chapters. But I didn't actually read them very carefully. I was just kind of looking through them and reading. And this is just the commandments that I found God expressing his moral will. And I didn't even pick all of them. Here's just some of them. Live on the word. Do not put the Lord to the test. Worship the Lord. Follow the Lord. Rejoice and be glad in the face of insults and persecution. Be salt to the earth. Let your light shine. Keep the commandments of the law and teach others to do the same. Do not be angry. Do not call anybody a fool. Reconcile with your brother. Settle matters quickly with your adversary. Do not commit adultery. Do not look lustfully upon another. Do not divorce except in the case of marital unfaithfulness. Do not swear an oath. Let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. Do not resist an evil person. Turn the other cheek. If someone demands your tunic, give him your cloak as well. Love your neighbor. Love your enemies. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Do not do acts of righteousness before men. Give to the needy. Give in secret. Pray in secret. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Forgive others so that you can be forgiven. Fast and do it in secret. Do not store treasures on earth. Store treasures in heaven. Resist the darkness within you. Do not worry about your life or what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about what you will wear. Seek first the kingdom and righteousness. Do not worry about tomorrow. Do not judge. Do not look at the speck in your neighbor's eye. Take the plank out of your own eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw pearls to pigs. Ask, seek, knock. Enter through the narrow gate. Watch out for false prophets. Build your house on the rock by putting the words of the Lord into practice. Believe and have faith. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. Here's the point I'm trying to make. There's so many of us that are walking around looking for God's will. There's so many of us that want something more specific than that. As if that isn't good enough. There were five chapters, and how many years do you think it would take for us to do those things? How many years do you think it would take for us to do a few of those things? Yeah, forever. Here's the way I put it up on the screen for you to look at, maybe. This is kind of my pitch. With so many people looking for God's will, it kind of begs the question, how much time are we spending studying the word? Memorizing scripture? Meditating on God's word? I mean, the question has to be asked because if so many people are looking for God's will, I kind of feel like, Why is this not good enough for us, for me? Why are these things, things we can put off, and yet we want something more specific? Jonathan. It's because we want to feel special. We want to feel special? We want to know what God wants us to do. We want to know how we're going to change the world. You know, it's it's not good enough for us to just kind of live our entire lives just how God says. I love that answer. Yeah, I love that answer. You know, I... I kind of followed up with this, and then I want to talk about what you just said. If God's will is readily accessible to us, meaning that his moral will is easily ascertained, it's right in front of our face, why is it not good for us? And you said, because we want to be special. Yeah, I'm going to put that 
just to the side for just one second. You know, the last one I was reading up here is pray for the Lord of the harvest to send the workers into the harvest, right? That was one of the things that Jesus commanded us to do, to actually pray that that would happen. Can you imagine for a moment, I want you to imagine like a citrus grove, like huge citrus grove. And the oranges on the grove are rotting because we're not harvesting them fast enough. And the Lord of the harvest comes to us and says, I want you to get out there as fast as possible and harvest this fruit before it goes bad. I mean, get out there and harvest the fruit. And then you come up to the Lord and go, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want you to harvest the fruit. I know, but do you want me like to climb the ladder? Or do you want me to pick the fruit? Or do you want me to be the guy who holds the box? Like, what do you want me to do? I want you to harvest the fruit. Like, every moment we're spending, we're not harvesting the fruit. But I'm, do you think I'm uniquely called to be the guy who drives the truck with the boxes? Or, or is it like your will that... Like, I feel kind of gifted in the fact that I don't have a fear of heights. So maybe I'm the guy on the ladder. What do you think, Lord? John, harvest the fruit. It's rotting on the vine. Like, we need to harvest the fruit. The workers are few. You're one of them. Let's get going and harvest the fruit. I know, Lord, but I'm just trying to figure out, like, where you could best use me. I could best use you in harvesting the fruit right now. Now, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. It's a silly example, maybe. But I'm trying to drive a point home about our desire to search for God's will And we go from understanding a sovereign will. Yes, Lord, I know you have a plan. You're going to work out everything in the universe the way you want it to be. But what do you want me to do? And in the middle of all this is all of those things on that piece of paper. All of those things on this screen. That it would take us, I I mean, pick five. Could you do them in your lifetime? But you could spend a lifetime doing these things. Some of the ones that you mentioned, like giving to the needy, you could spend a lifetime doing. There are so many people that we will not take care of in our lifetime. Now, I'm not going to be unfair to the weeks that come yet. Maybe God does have an individual will for your life. Maybe he doesn't. We're going to critique that. We're going to debate that. That's where we'll probably get some people ruffled a little bit in here. That's good. But before we get there, it just bears mention that no matter what you believe about an individual will, we seem to be lacking a little bit in this area. Now, you've already mentioned that's maybe because we want to be special. Any other reason that you think that we're skipping over God's moral will, just not good enough for people? David? I think you hit one of them. We also want it to be easy because that's, our, that's part of our society. But wrestle with me a little bit here. Doesn't somebody in this room really want to know what he really wants you to do? Somebody has to. I mean, somebody in here is struggling saying, okay, it's not because I want the easy job, because that is a good explanation for a lot of us. But some of us are saying, no, Lord, I'd even die for you if I could. I just want to know specifically what it is I'm supposed to be doing. Who's that person? Who's struggling with that? You are? Uh, I think it's because like, we want to be safe. It, it's like you're, we're not willing to you know, maybe get out of our comfort zone or something like, well, I don't want to do it unless I know God wants me to because otherwise I might somehow mess up his will or something. Okay. Tim. You know, I, I know that maybe I'm the person you're thinking of who I, I know that I want to glorify God in everything that I do, but oftentimes I'm not sure how to do that in certain, certain situations and I don't know if God has an opinion or not, you know, or maybe it's, you know, how can I climb the ladder best? You know, or, or maybe how should I twist the fruit off so that I don't, I don't bruise it? I don't, I don't know if God answers 
that kind of specific will. So you'd be willing to do the hard work and you're not looking for an easy way out or importance, but you're saying, I still want to know how to do this best. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I believe there is, like, I'm making fun of our desire to skip right over moral will, but that's why I want to struggle here for a moment, because I think there are a few of us who are very honest in the fact that I would still like to know what God thinks, because he may have wisdom on the topic, or he may have specific instruction. Yeah. Um, I think that although the moral will is fully revealed, it can be really difficult and a lot of work to figure out, well, how does the moral will actually say what I should do? Because... It isn't as clear as like harvesting fruit. There's maybe a 50 commands that say things you should always be doing all the time. Like, well, how should I individually apply that to myself? Like you said, you might need to sit down, study, think about, well, how should I react and compare things? It's very easy to just say, well, it's too much work. All right. Oh, I just want to say in response to what he was saying um, earlier about how, like, it doesn't know if God, like, has an opinion on, like, how he does things. I think, um, in my opinion, that... God does honor that, and like, because when David and other past kings they would pray for wisdom, it wasn't for them, it was like for the nation because they didn't want to screw up like God's people. That like He would grant that, and I think maybe it's not like as obvious as that, but I think God like provides us with the resources whether we know it or not, and He's not going to give us anything we can't handle. So, okay, here's the, the question I want to dig a little deeper on then. The list in front of you is pretty big. I don't think any of us could finish this list alone, let alone anything else in Scripture. Do any of you feel that God would somehow be offended, upset, it would screw up his plan? I mean, anything. If you worked on one of them, but not the other one, and somehow you just picked a few and said, you know what, Lord, I don't know. I can't figure it out, but I'll tell you which ones I'm going to pick. I'm going I'm to give to people. I'm going to love my enemies. You know, just pick some. And say, those are ones I know you want me to do. I'm going to try to do those, and I'm going to honestly do those. I'm going to pray the Lord's Prayer, do those things. Is anyone worried that the Lord's going to come up and go, come on, dummy, that wasn't what I wanted you to do. I wanted you to do something else. Would you not be in God's will? Is, is anyone struggling with that? Is that where you guys are coming from? Or are we just like, nope, it's okay. God's moral will is enough. Let's just stop there. Yeah. If my choices can affect God's will for my life, you know, just by choosing some good things instead of others, then God's smaller than I thought he was. Yeah. It's kind of hard for me yeah. to have his plans in the moment, maybe, but overall, I know he's got me. We're doing whatever. So you're saying God's will is, he, he's in so much control in that way that you're. You know, if, if I screw up in one area, he'll just kind of change a different area of my life to accomplish the same goal through a different direction. Okay, Philip. I could potentially see God being disappointed with me saying, or him coming eventually saying, hey, don't, like, you worked on these few things, that's nice and all, but like, you could have done all of this, like you're a complete slacker, like why did you just choose like, three of them to be satisfied? But you're talking, about, you're talking about the amount of effort, right? You're talking about what you did with your life in almost like a talent's perspective, like what did you do with what I gave you, right? All right, but if you were really working to your max and you just picked a bunch of them and just went after them, do you feel like God would come in and go, hey, that was a waste. I wanted you to do something else. I guess somewhere logically, somebody should be saying, if God put these in the scriptures and revealed them to us and didn't say, by the way, I'm only talking to these three specific people when I say this, it seems to me that we cannot be in a bad place or doing something wrong to follow God's moral will. The hardest thing will always be, though, when we reject all of them, as we've said tonight, and say, no, I want something specific for my life. God's moral will isn't enough. I want, I want to hear from him directly. And I think we've already hit on the silliness of that a little bit. But that's why I want to make sure that it's not that silly, because some of us really live there. 
I think another thing is like we just take these for granted. We're like, well, everybody's supposed to be doing those, so they're just kind of like automatic, or at least we think they are. Yeah, I believe that. I feel like it's giving an incomplete picture if you just say I'm going to try to live with a few of them and not really worry about the other ones. Not necessarily go against them, but not really worry about them because I feel like there's a responsibility on our part to try and be doing all of them. Right. Thank you for clarifying that because I want to make sure that I'm not being heard as saying pick some and do only those. What I'm trying to say, though, is that you could pick some and spend your whole life doing them and you wouldn't finish. So why are we always asking for him to heap on some more individual ones on top of the ones that are already there? And I, I'm not saying that, there, that we shouldn't do that. We just need to question that before we move on to individual will. So that's why I want to be clear that for most of us, we just skip over these. And I'm not saying select some of them and just do those. I'm just saying that even if you did that, it would take you for your entire life. And that's the point. Let me, let me conclude this point like this. I think that we tend to seek the importance that you were talking about. Subconsciously or consciously as Christians. God has a sovereign will we'll never understand. And he tells us that. God has a moral will that I think if you did the same exercise I did and go through the entire Bible, I don't know how many pages you could write one after another, after another, after another, after another. I think the moral will is something we skip over because many of us as Christians, and I just ask you to think about it and see if this rings true, because it may not for every single person. But a vast number of us, I think one of the reasons we say, yes, I know you have a moral will and you want me to do all these things, but what's your individual will for my life? It's because we want to have a special relationship that somehow we're given special tasks. We want to feel special. We want to feel like all of this is okay, but I want something more. That's one reason. And I think that one we have to almost sit a little bit in confession and conviction on ourselves a little bit and say, why is it that I have to struggle for this significance and this importance in my relationship with God that I have to be special, that he has an individual will specifically for me? And maybe he does, by the way. That's what we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. The second one I think is also true. A lot of us really, even in an honest place, not out of pride, not out of a desire to be significant, just a lot of us just want to say, Lord, you are the wisest, greatest. You're infinite. You know everything. If there's something that you want me to do, tell me. I want to do that. So I think there's two things there. They're kind of generalizations. Look at it this way. These are the reasons when we asked you in the surveys, why do you want to know God's will? Why do you care? These are the answers that you gave back to us. Because he's the wisest being. I want to know exactly what to do so that if I don't, you know, I don't have to guess or figure it out. I want to be able to please God by doing specifically defined acts that he wants accomplished. Then there were two more. I want to know that I have a specific purpose and I want to have the freedom and the peace of mind to do what I'm supposed to do. I think these are answered by God's moral will, the ones that are highlighted, the first three. Like if you really want the wisest being in the world and to know what you're supposed to be doing with your life, there's a million things in the Bible you could be doing. He's expressed it so clearly. Most of us, sadly, don't even read the Bible. Don't sit down and make lists of all the things that he has that are his will that are expressed right in the Bible. We're still waiting for that. But tell me specifically what you want me to do. It's like feed the poor. No, 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 not that. I know that's in the Bible. Give me something else. Well, uh, give money. Like, no, no, no. I, but I mean, like, what do you want me to do as a job? Like, love mercy. No, no, no. But I mean, like, who am I supposed to marry? Walk humbly with the Lord. No, no, no. But I want specifics. Like, where's, what parking spot should I be in? <laughs> Do justice. What does the Lord require? 
to love mercy, walk humbly with the Lord, to do justice. That's what the Lord's response is. You could spend a lifetime trying to do just those three things. And again, I'm not trying to belittle the individual will stuff. That's coming in the the next few weeks. But just while we're in the midst of this moral will discussion, let's pause and identify the fact that it seems like it's not good enough for us. So if you're looking for the wisdom, it's in the Bible. You want to know exactly what to do? It's filled with stuff. You want to be able to please God? Again, what does the Lord require of thee, O man? Look it up. Just read those. Go back to the ones that were just in Matthew. I mean, the Sermon on the Mount, it's like you, you, it's impossible to do those things in a lifetime. And that was just five chapters that yielded that huge list. And I wasn't even going to get to what Paul had to say because <laughs> that guy has a whole bunch more to add. All right? So just imagine if you did that. And I would take that as a discipline this week. Take a couple verses from Scripture. Take a chapter or two from Scripture. Yeah, be wild. Read like two chapters, you know? Get crazy with the Bible. And take out a pen and do what I did. Do this list. Just All I did was just every time I saw the Bible saying do this or live this way or act this way or think this way, I just wrote it down, just wrote it down. And I looked at the list and I thought, that is a lot. That's a lot. So where do we go from here? I think we could stop the series. We're not going to, but we could stop the series right here and just say, we're never going to finish these. Why go any further? But what we're going to do in the next couple of weeks is saying, okay, we know God's sovereign will. We've struggled with that and his free will, a free will for us. This week, kind of a conviction week. Wake up, realize that God's moral will is there. It's present. It's in the Bible. We should know it. And we're not reading it. We don't know it well enough. Okay? And it's sufficient. We could spend the rest of our lives doing it. But in the coming weeks, we will take on the topic of All right, but even if I did all those things, is there still something specific and individual that you have for my life? Next week, we're going to take up the individual will topic. We've we've got a couple books that we're reading through that we're looking at to see what, how would God's individual will be played out? How would we discover it if we could? And then we're going to critique that view a little bit. And then we're going to go back to the hundred questions that you've asked on God's will and answer all of them in probably one night. We are actually slowly answering your questions, whether you know it or not. As we go through this, there are already a lot of these questions are being answered. I think the ones that won't be answered, unfortunately, is the who I'm going to marry one. I'm sorry we can't answer that here tonight. Unless maybe you look across the room and go, I think I know. All right. <laughs> if that's happening, praise God. All right. Um, we're going to wrap up, do a little bit more worship. Got a little bit more worship to do. Let's uh, close in a word of prayer. And then I want you to meet some people afterwards tonight. We're going to hang out. And I want you to meet some people in the room, especially this guy sitting right back here. This is Dave Bishop. He's kind of the wisdom of the ages and our senior mentor. So if you look around the room and wonder, like, why is this guy sitting in this room? Because he's here to keep me honest. And also because he's a great uh, guy to get to know and and be mentored by. So I hope you get to know Dave tonight. Let's pray and uh, allow the Holy Spirit to settle our hearts as we begin to worship. Spirit, bring conviction into this room right now. And bring your grace as well and your mercy. You knew, even as you spoke these words, that none of us were going to be able to accomplish all the things that you have in your word. And yet, Lord, you still give us all of your wisdom and you give us all of the attitudes and the desires that you have for us and even direct commands that we're supposed to follow. Lord, we look around this world and we are honest. We have to be honest that we are not taking care of the poor. We are not clothing the naked. We are not worried about homeless people. We are not worried about the people who don't know you. And, of course, there are some who are, but we could all increase that to a greater degree. So before we seek out after specific things, Lord, maybe we just need to pause tonight and ask you, how are we doing on the things that you've already expressed in your word? How are we doing on just knowing what they are and doing them? 
Thank you, Jesus, for gathering us here tonight. Thank you that we have a place like this to meet. And thank you just that we can have the time to spend talking about you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.